Take your Bible this morning and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. I have an unusual Christmas message for you. (laughs) But it is the Christmas message. If you want to call it a Christmas message. It's the gospel message is what it is. It's a declaration, pure and simple, of how God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto him. I thank my God through Christ Jesus my Lord that there's somebody out there, and I thank God that I'm I'm by his grace one of them, that he's not charging sin to me. That's good news. Huh? Have you sinned this week? Oh, no, I've been pretty good. Hold on now. Huh? If we say we have no sin, we make God a liar and his truth's not in us. Wise Solomon said, Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from sin. I don't know about you, I'm keenly aware of what I am. And it makes me more thankful and more appreciative. Not that I'm looking for a way to... It's not let us sin more that we can get more grace. But the fact of knowing what I am drives me back to this glorious person who put away my sin, who did everything for me, everything. Didn't leave any of it to question, not a drop of it. I thought long and hard. I, and, and put another, write, write this passage down beside Isaiah 53. And I, I, th- I thought I was going back to 2 Corinthians on the 28th. I don't think I am. I think I'm going to Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11 in two weeks. Uh, and that, me- that word, is this, this message is entitled, It Pleased the Lord. And it's from Isaiah 53, verse 10, where I'm going to preach to you from. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, the scriptures tell us this. The Lord takes no pleasure. You hear me? The Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I think that's the one I'm going to preach on two weeks, that the Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And it's not that false idea. God wants everybody to go to heaven. And he's so sad and he's up there crying and mourning and worried and anxious and troubled that everybody ain't coming into this boat. It's not what that's talking about. It's connected with the same word it pleased. It pleased the Lord. Same word that translated God no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's, that's some food. Go, go study it for yourself over the next two weeks. Look at those verses and contemplate them. And go back and listen to this message and, and, and then compare it with that, that verse. And think about what God was doing. Because huh? that's what this is all about. And see, here's the thing. As I, as I thought about this over the last... I've been thinking about this message for a while. And there's no doubt when you think about it that the gospel was declared in the Old Testament just as clearly and just as simply and just as dogmatically as it's declared in the New Testament. Listen to this. All Scripture, how much? All Scripture, all of it. Genesis to Revelation. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable first of all for what? Even the Old Testament for doctrine, for teaching. For reproof, 
Remember what our Lord said, when the Holy Spirit's come, what's he going to do? What's he going to do with his people? He's going to reprove the world of sin. Not all men and women without exception. He? he reproves his people of sin for correction. And listen to this. All scriptures given by his spirit for instruction in righteousness. All of it. That the man of God might be perfect, might be complete, truly furnished unto all good works. At the end of our Lord Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, he opened the understanding of his followers and spoke to them of himself. And where did he speak from? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the epistles, the revelation. No, where did he speak to them from? The Old Testament. Let's see it. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written where? In the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, not they didn't have the king, the they didn't have a King James Version in the New Testament. He opened their understanding to what? The Old Testament. Everything he had pointed out to them. That they might understand the Scriptures and said unto them, this, Thus it's written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning where? At Jerusalem. That was what he called them to. And I tell you, he was preparing them for it. He had prepared them for three and, three and a half years. And now, even after his resurrection, he's still preparing them for the work he's about to send them to do. Now, all the scriptures set forth the pleasure of the Lord, which simply stated, when we think about the pleasure of the Lord, simply stated, it's this. It's his purpose to glorify and honor himself as both a just God and a Savior through the redemption and salvation of his chosen people. In the book of Revelations, it says, Thou art, this is the song of the redeemed. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Folks, listen to me. Get this into your head. Me too. Every single solitary thing that comes to pass down to the most minute detail of our lives, what is it working after? It's his pleasure. All of it. And so we're going to rail and get angry and upset and mourn and worried and, and anxious over what he deems good for us? Do you not believe all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose? Do you not believe that whatever comes into your life, it doesn't come there by accident or by chance or by fate? It comes there absolutely on purpose. <laughs> Because he knows what's best for us. And listen, he equips our backs for the load he puts on our backs. That's what the scriptures tell us. The word translated pleasure here, it means what one wishes or what one has determined shall be done. 
namely the purpose of God to bless mankind, his elect, through Christ. Uh-huh. That's what that word, live word pleasure. <laughs> for thy pleasure. What? Everything God has determined to do for his elect through Christ. All of it. The book of Isaiah, particularly this 53rd chapter, set forth this glorious God honor and truth. I know that that to be the case because, listen, it's the way our Lord God moved and was pleased to move that Ethiopian eunuch. Remember that eunuch going across the desert that had been down to Jerusalem for the worship and was headed back down to Ethiopia? He was a, a, a eunuch, a chief eunuch under Candace. And he's going back and by accidently, he just happens to have in his hand a scroll open to Isaiah chapter 53. <laughs> and God just happens to be a sinner man from Jerusalem where the gospel has been flourishing, sends him out into a desert and tells him, go join yourself to that man. And I'm not going to read it. I've got it in my notes, but he, he runs up alongside of him and he hears him reading. And he's reading from Isaiah 53. And the part that he's reading is this in Isaiah 53. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shares is dove. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison, from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? That's what that guy's reading. He's reading Isaiah 53. And Philip looks at him and he says, Sir, do you understand what you're reading? How many people do you know? I've read the Bible through. I, it, was a, it was a major thing to me when I was in religion. I tried every year to read the Bible through one time, Kenny. And boy, I tell you, you got monotonous in 1st and 2nd Kings. 1st and 2nd Chronicles too. A lot of it got monotonous, but I was determined. I need to read this thing through. Read it. Right, I mean, you know, some people have memorized it. Somebody's, some people boast, I've memorized the entire Bible. I'd like to really hear them quote me all them names out of 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Does them no good. How can I? He said, how can I except some man teach me? And he climbed up in a chariot and beginning at that very place where he read from Isaiah 53, he preached unto him from the Old Testament, what? Jesus. Out of the Old Testament. I mean, one thing Henry hammered into all our minds uh, from the very beginning, Isaiah is basically, should be called the gospel of Isaiah is what it should be because it's a gospel. That's what it is. I got Isaiah 53 in my mind a couple weeks ago, and I got this one verse stuck in my head, and I could not get it out. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Now think, think, think about everything. If you don't get anything else from his bruising, to his putting him to grief, to him making his soul an offering for sin. Who did all of that? Huh? The Lord. You see that? 
The Lord bruised him. The Lord caused him to be grieved. The Lord made his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his day. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I might not get to that Ezekiel thing. I might have to come back here and deal with this part of this verse. All I'm dealing with this morning, yet it pleased the Lord. That's all I, that's all I could get done. That's it. Whole week's worth of, of studying and reading and writing, and that's all I could. Listen to this word. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Now listen to me. Put your thinking cap on. I, you know, you, you, I don't want you to follow and swallow this just because I say it. It's your responsibility to take every word you hear every man preach and do what? Put it under the scrutiny of the Word of God. And if it's true to the Scriptures, bow to it. If it's not, I would hope if I'm in error, you'd come to me and we'd talk about this thing and we'd work it out. But I don't think I'm in error. I don't. I think I've got something that it spoke to me. I hope I pray that it'll, it'll speak. I didn't hear an audible voice. <laughs> I preachers hearing voices. No, it, the, the Scripture spoke to me. And I, this, this fills me with joy, what I'm about to tell you this morning. Every child of God, it's essential that we know and that we understand the meaning of such an emphatic statement concerning the work of God the Father, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. You ever remember anybody putting emphasis on that? It's always, it, they, they, here's their emphasis on it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And it's an offer. That's all it was. It was an attempt. Like Bill said this week, there, there's some old big preacher somewhere, he made the statement that hell is a monument to God's failure to accomplish the salvation of sinners. Now you think about it. It's a guy that believes supposedly that God so loved the world. But hell is a monument or a testimony to God's inability to save everybody in this world. This opening phrase, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. You know what? It's in contrast to what he just said in verse 9. Look at verse 9. Now, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And notice what he says in verse 9. Because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Whoever this person is, what was he? Done no, no wickedness, no deceit in his mouth. Didn't, didn't David say, blessed Sins forgiven. Blessed transgressions covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin, in whose spirit there's no guile. Folks, there's only one I know that never had any guile. So what we're talking about here is perfection. You think about it, before our Lord was born, the angels declared to Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, you hear that? That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The only one that could be called the Son of God had to be what? A holy thing. 
Huh? Christ told those Jews in John chapter 8, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Listen to this. For I do always, you hear me? I do always those things that please, and that word please is the same word that we're going to talk about in a little while. About, you remember when the angel spoke from heaven? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And it means satisfaction or to take pleasure in or to take delight in. He said, I always do those things that my father takes pleasure in and can be delighted by. He looked at those same Jews in John chapter 8 verse 46 and he said, which of you convinceth me or convicteth me of sin? Which one did find any sin in me? Huh? The author of Hebrews also declared of our Lord Jesus Christ. He declared him, listen, this is our Lord. Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Who's that? This person. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That Hebrew word, yet it pleased, it means to delight in, to take pleasure in, to desire, or to be pleased with. The Hebrew word translated the Lord, literally translated is Jehovah, the existing one. And that Hebrew word translated to bruise, and this is the one that just gets me, to crush or to shatter or to destroy. It pleased the Lord to crush or shatter or to destroy this one who had done no guile, who had no deceit in him, had no violence in his life, ever. Here's a good question. One that can be answered from the Scripture, should be answered from the Scripture. What does it mean that Jehovah, the true and living God, delighted in, took pleasure in, or was pleased with the Messiah being crushed or shattered are destroyed. Can you answer that question? Should you be able to answer that question? You should. Keep in mind Isaiah 53. What's Isaiah 53 in its entirety set forth? It sets forth God's purpose and work of redemption, that which glorifies and honors Him in every attribute of His character as both a just God and a Savior. In other words, to put it in words that I can understand, as simple as they are, it sets forth the only way a holy God who will by no means clear the guilty, who will not overlook the least of sin and the best of men, he can and he does show mercy and grace to those who are themselves what? Guilty. Listen to this. Who hath believed our report? Isaiah said, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him. Where's he going up? Not before us. Before Christ, before the Father. He shall grow up as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of me and a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces for him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our Griefs carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, thank God for this, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, the transgression of my people. You see this? For the transgression of my people was he stricken. For who? The world. No, 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 no. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked. Why? No, he had to die. Not just struck, struck. He had to be destroyed. He had to be killed. Made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Folks, the answer to that question that we asked, what does it mean that Jehovah delighted in or took pleasure in or was pleased with Messiah being crushed, and shattered, it can be answered from the scriptures. When it comes to redemption, to reconciliation, to salvation itself, you know what? All of it is God's word. Every bit of it. And all of it concerns but one thing. What? His glory. All of it. And when I think of God delighting in or taking pleasure in crushing His Holy Son, two verses always come into my mind. The first one is this. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit, here it is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. You see that? It, it don't have anything to do with me. This has got nothing to do with Satan. You hear me? I almost said he's an innocent bystander, but he's a, he's a puppet in the hand of our God that he used to accomplish his sovereign will and purpose. But God wasn't satisfying him. God wasn't trying to show you and I something so we'd get right where we wouldn't get left. That, that's not what he was doing. What was he doing? He was actually reconciling sinners to himself. How? not imputing their trespasses to them. The non-imputation of sin. There's no sin to be imputed. What is there? There's no guilt. There's no penalty. There's no condemnation. Well, God didn't just didn't impute them into, into void. Didn't pretend like they weren't there because we sinned. His people sinned. You and I have sinned. So if he's not imputing our sins to us, if he's a holy God who will by no means clear the guilty, what's he got to do? He's got to deal with them, can't he? And so what did he do? He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What do we have? A double imputation. My sins imputed to Christ. Christ's righteousness imputed to me with no condition on me. Not one. Here's the second one. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. You hear that? He blotted out my sins, not for my sake, for his own sake. 
Therefore, since he's blotted out my sin, thy transgression, I will remember thy sins no more. Why? He's satisfied. People say that's too simple. That's impossible for the natural man to believe. It's impossible. Think about it. God satisfied himself. Do you see that? Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. God was satisfied. Jehovah was satisfied. Jehovah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All equal in this matter of salvation. All concerned about one purpose. One glory. One honor. You think about this. All the works of man. All his obedience to God's holy law. All his or her sincerity, all of their love to their fellow man, none of it, you hear me? None of it can be delighted in or can please the Lord because, listen, there's no satisfaction to God's holy law and justice by any of it or all of it combined. Everything you can think of, pile it all up. It does not satisfy this God. My generation thinks it does and many generations before just give it your best shot. Try hard. Keep the law. Go to church. Love your husband. Love your wife. Love your kids. Be a good neighbor. Be a good citizen. None of it, none of it satisfies this God with whom we all have to do. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. What is mercy? That's God not giving me what I deserve. He saved us through the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Paul stated it twice in Romans 3, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law only one thing comes, the knowledge that you're guilty. That's it. That's all it can do. It can charge you. Can't offer you a way out. All it can say is you as a sinner if you've sinned one time, the soul that sinned is what has to happen. So important, he repeated again. He said, be it known unto you. He said, therefore we conclude. This is in that same chapter, Romans chapter 3, verse 25. This one is, therefore we conclude that, as a, man, that a man is justified by faith, listen, without the deeds of the law. And Paul declared, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that by this man is preached unto you. Same thing I'm preaching to you this morning. The only thing that can bring peace and comfort and assurance to a sinner, what? The forgiveness of sin. And by him, by this man, by this person, this one whom it pleased the Lord to bruise, by this man, all that believe. No, he got to work it in you. I think about those Jews. This is not in my notes. This is just off the cuff. But I think about those Jews that stood before our Lord and they said, what might we do that we would work the works of God? And our Lord straightened them out. He said, this is the work of God. That's, this, now this is God's work. What's the work of God? That you believe on him whom God hath sent. He has to work that in you. I can't make you. Nor can any other man. Justified from all things from which you, listen, you could not be justified by the law of Moses. If 
Folks, the Old Testament pointed God's people to the promised Messiah and his accomplished work of salvation. Christ told those Jews, search the scriptures. You do search the scriptures for in them, in, in your searching of the scriptures, in all that you dig out, in them you think you have life, and they are they which testify of the one sin, this one whom it pleased the Lord to bruise. You won't come to me that you might have life. You'll go everywhere except to him. Most people I know, you know where they go? To some old dead profession. 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. That's not coming to Christ. I was baptized. That's not coming to Christ. I read my Bible. That's not coming to Christ. I'm a good husband, good mother, good father, good friend, good deacon, good preacher. Not by works of righteousness which we've done. So if what the sinner does or what they avoid doing can't and doesn't bring pleasure to or can't be delighted in by Jehovah, what does he delight in? That's the question of the ages, isn't it? What can God take pleasure in? What satisfies his Holy God? I'm telling you, folks aren't honest. Now, they're just not. Religious people are not honest. They're not honest about God, and they're not honest about man's condition. Think about the very first promise Jehovah declared to our fallen parents in the garden after they rebelled, which that was purposed by God, too. That wasn't an accident. Before they fell, there was already a Redeemer, and it wasn't him looking down through time, seeing them falling. He purposed them to fall. I don't understand that. Can't explain it. I'm not going to try to. I just know it didn't happen accidentally. And it certainly didn't have anything to do with them making a wrong choice. They did exactly what they were purposed to do. But think about that promise. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It, that, the, this, this promised one, the woman's seed, it shall bruise thy head. Now listen to this language. And thou, talking about Satan, thou shalt bruise his Heal. Now, if you read that and you see thou shalt bruise his heel and you think, okay, Satan's going to bruise his heel. In our human mind, who does that ascribe all the work to? Thou shalt bruise his heel. There, it ascribes basically all the work to who? Puts all the responsibility of it on Satan. Satan's going to do it. But in our verse that we're looking at, who's it all ascribed to? Yet it pleased the Lord. Here's the same word. Thou shalt bruise his heel. Please the Lord to bruise him. You see that? Satan, sinful fallen, depraved men. Folks, they were the one that hated our Lord Jesus Christ. They despised him. They demanded his death. And ultimately, they, they were the ones who nailed him to the cross. They were. But it was Jehovah's predeterminate counsel and will that demanded the sacrifice of his people's substitute. 
and surety of the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge. And that word foreknowledge there means foreordination, the predestinating power of God. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Listen to this one. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, <laughs> whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pilate, where the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. But now listen to this. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. When they beat our Lord beyond recognition, every strike that was put on his back, who directed it? When they drove the nails through his hands and his feet, who kept their hearts beating and gave their muscle strength to do it? I love what John Gill set forth concerning the meaning of this particular passage. He said, Christ was bruised in his body when buffeted and scourged and nailed to the cross. He was bruised and broken in spirit when the sins of his people were laid on him and the wrath of God came upon him for them. The Lord had a hand in his suffering. He not only permitted it, but they were according to the counsel of his own will. They were predetermined by him, yet they were pleasing to him. Listen to this. He took a kind of delight and pleasure in them, not in them simply considered as suffering. In other words, it wasn't that God was just up there. This is, this is outstanding that we're, I'm breaking him to peace. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. But as they were an accomplishment of his purpose, a fulfillment of his covenant and his promises and the prophecies in his own word, and particularly, I love this, and particularly as hereby the salvation of his people was brought about by this work. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. In our Lord Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer, he said, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, and I may take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment, have I received from my Father. Several times throughout the Gospels, Jehovah's confirmed that his pleasure, folks, is only found one place. You ever heard people, maybe you yourself, well, I know the Lord's pleased with me. Uh, really? And, and what you've done? What you've accomplished? Some change in your life? Some profession that you've made? Is that, how, is that Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And one more. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 
That original word translated by the phrase, I am well pleased, it's the same word in every instance. And it always means the same thing, to be well pleased with or to take pleasure in. Now, this is where it gets tricky, and I hope, I hope you can follow what I'm about to say to you. I'm, I wrote it down, and I went back over it, and I've thought about it, and I want to make this very clear. Every time we take the Lord's table, two weeks, Lord willing, we'll take the Lord's table again if everything works out. We always, as we're passing out the, the I can't even remember what it's the, 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 the bread, the unleavened bread, we always read Hebrews chapter 10. And this is part of it. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering. You know, if, if, if you don't do it now, later, get your pen and underline these words. That phrase, thou wouldest. Thou wouldest, that phrase, not. But a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offering, sacrifices for sin, there thou hast had no, there's a word, pleasure, underline that one. Then said I, lo, I come in a volume of book is written of thee, me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offering, burnt offering and offering for sin, thou wouldest, underline it again, thou wouldest not. Neither, here's another one, hats pleasure which are offered by the law. Then said I, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second by the, by the second will. By the which will? We are sanctified, declared holy, made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How many times? Just once. I've told you for the 36 plus years that I've been the pastor here, Words mean everything, and they do. The word translates, thou wouldest. In this verse, you know what it means? Thou wouldest, it means to take pleasure in or to delight in. The word translated pleasure in verse 6 and translated hath's pleasure in verse 8 are a different Greek word. From the word translated thou wouldest, but it has a similar meaning. You know what it means? To be well pleased with, take pleasure in, to be favorably inclined toward. So put all that together. Think about what he's saying here. Sacrifices and offerings, all those offerings for the sin under that old covenant, God could not and he did not take pleasure in. And none of it pleased him. Why? It could not put away sin. It's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to put away sin. It could, none of it could satisfy infinite law and justice. What can put away sin? We sing it, what can wash away my sin? What can do it? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Our Lord, by his prophet, who writes Hebrews chapter 10, his servant, tells us the answer to the question, but a body, but a body that has prepared me. That word translated, hast thou prepared, means to fit or to frame for oneself. 
In other words, God satisfied God. He equipped this person for this work. Therefore, God's glory demanded, and it fitted. Listen, it fitted one that the Scriptures tell us he's mighty to save. And he fitted him for that purpose, for the salvation of all those he loved for four times. Listen to me. God takes pleasure in, and he's well pleased with only one thing, the accomplished work of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But what I find so interesting when I was looking at all this this week and preparing this is that the same word translated pleasure and hats pleasure in Hebrews 10 concerning those sacrifices offered under the law which were declared could never take away sin. God used that same exact word to declare his satisfaction in his beloved son. The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said thou art my beloved son and thee I am well pleased I can't help but think of our Lord Jesus Christ's prayer before his crucifixion remember he went into the garden told his disciples you sit here and watch and pray and he went a little further and he fell down fell on his face, and he prayed, Oh, Father, if it's possible, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. I've said this since the Lord first revealed the gospel to me 37 years ago. Had there been any other way, any possibility of salvation, in anything else other than God satisfying himself in Christ Jesus, when our blessed, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the angels, son, prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it had been possible, you know what? Our God would have let him go. Now you think about the implications of that for men that run around saying that there's people in hell for who this person died. In other words, you know what? In that scenario, God's a villain. He's a brutal villain. Because he punished, he, it pleased him to bruise this person, satisfied him, and now he's going to turn around and pour out the same thing that satisfies him, which that comes back to that thing in Ezekiel 33. That can't please him. Can't do it. Why? It never ends. God's eternal. He requires eternal satisfaction. The folk God was in Christ reconciling the world himself. You don't believe me? Let Jehovah speak to your heart one more time. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake will not remember thy sin. Okay? He won't remember them because what? He blot, that word blot out, blot out, means to obliterate. It's like you have a, in a record book. You know, there, there's a record of everything we've ever done, just about. 
I think people on the internet don't realize <laughs> you put someone on the internet, it, it's the gift that keeps on giving forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But if you had a debt on a book, it's not to just draw a line through it. Because, you know, you could see through the line, oh, Richard Wormack owed $10,000. Somebody's put a line through the book. My name's gone. The sin's gone. Why? God satisfied himself in the person his son. Let me say this in closing. Nothing, nothing more is required. And nothing more do. Every redeemed, justified, saved sinner can forever, should forever rejoice in the blessedness of this glorious truth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Ask yourself this this morning. Did God satisfy himself for me in the person, his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ? And I tell it, I can, I can say this of a truth. If you're his, by electing grace, if you're his, by redemptive grace, if you're his, by regenerating, converting grace, by his Holy Spirit, in answer to that question, you know what you always say? Amen. So be it. God did satisfy himself for me. This is faith. Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness described in favor. He provided everything I needed in his son. Flee to him, say. Flee to him. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. I appreciate your presence. Lord bless you and keep you until we see you. Two weeks. Almost said next Lord's Day. Two weeks on December the 31st. We'll go ahead and we'll consider this the prayer for the meal in the back. Donald, if you would, dismiss us, please, sir.